What if pain was a guide to make us look inside and equip us with resilience? What tools would we need to master? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever it is you are tuning in from today, you're listening to my guru, and I'm your host, Anna Maria Bosky. Tuning in from Portugal. <laughs> this week's podcast is special. It's with my first ever friend that I made in Bali. He made sure immediately that I felt cared for, thought after, and safe. I'll never forget him. His name's Aaron Bahia, and his previous life is really one hard to imagine. He was an ex-gangster and drug abuser, entangled in organized crime in Vancouver, Canada. This life of money, drugs, and beautiful women, although sounds amazing, was incredibly unfulfilling, and he really felt hungry for a big life change. So he booked a flight to Bali and made a decision once arriving to radically transform his life and grow. And wow, what a life he's created for himself. He's the founder of Yogi Lab, Karma House, and Conscious Art Tattoos, all businesses geared towards helping and giving back to the local Balinese community. His story is really inspirational and I believe is a true example that real change is ignited by a conscious decision, but really comes to life through personal devotion. During our conversation, we speak about the detrimental effects and pressure that life puts on us to be somebody or have those things. Why giving back really is the path to worthwhile living and the real power of taking responsibility for one's own life. And as Aaron's friend, I'm incredibly proud, inspired, and motivated by the journey that he's been on. And I'm sure his story will inspire you as well. And before we begin, a little disclaimer. Uh, this podcast was recorded in Ubud, Bali. So for any of you who have visited Bali, you probably know that random sounds are inevitable. So there's a few cockatoo idol kind of sounds that come up. I hope you're able to listen through them. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> and before we begin, go grab your tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Hello. So... Today we are here in Ubud, Bali with a, actually my first friend that I met oh, yeah. when I was here two years ago mm -hmm. called Arian Bahia. Did Bahia. I say it right? No? Bahia. Don't, nobody says Bahia. it right. Don't worry about it. Is that the right way to say it? Bahia is the Punjabi way to say it. Okay. My lineage. Okay. And can I describe, describe you as like the founder of Karma House and the Yogi Lab? I'm the founder of Karma House. I'm the founder of Conscious Arts Tattoos, and I'm a partner in the Yogi Lab alongside four of my amazing close friends. And the actual founder of Yogi mm. Lab is David Hans Barker, one of my business partners. Mm. Okay, thank you for sharing. So to start off with, I'm just going to ask you a very simple question, which is who are you and what do you do? 
<laughs> I am a pretty weird dude. Um, I'm a guy who I would say has a lust for life and growth mm. and I've lived many lives in one life and what I do is my role in this world is a connector and I'm here to connect people and I've always been in that role in life and um, and what I do is live out my passion and I just do things that I want to do that I love doing that I'm happy doing and find ways to turn those into businesses mm. and that's actually been how I've made it out here in Bali it's been three years since I started my life over from a very different lifestyle back in Vancouver, Canada and moved out here and actually was able to create a pretty beautiful life for myself and I'm surrounded by amazing people and what I do is connect. So you mentioned that you lived many different lives, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know some of the stories. <laughs> know meeting you now like it would be hard to picture what I know what I know of mm -hmm. you know your your all these lifetimes of stories but I would love you to kind of talk us through what your journey has been in, mm -hmm. in life to, to the point of you know coming here totally absolutely to preface we were just talking about how time isn't the same for everyone mm. and so three years it sounds like a relatively short time but people who actually use their time and really <laughs> use their time you can do a lot in three years you yeah. can do a lot in three months mm. and um, so coming out here and starting over I had a strong intention into into transformation and growth coming from a rough area in East Vancouver I lived many lives I was trying to do the whole high school, maybe university thing, that didn't work out. I grew up in a rough area with a bunch of rough kids who, it was cool where I grew up to be part of gang activity and drug dealing. Mm. It was just like, those are the guys who had the power and the, and the respect and the women. And that's what I, what I was about. I thought that was, that was the cool thing to do. Dabbled in that for a little bit, around 18, 19, tried to, tried to go to, school maybe become an electrician i think i was a plumber for six months i became an electrician i went to high um, university or sorry college didn't work out i kept coming back to i wanted instant results right mm. then and there and eventually got sucked back into the world of organized crime okay so it was i it just seemed like the right decision then because it would get me what i wanted and what i needed in the fastest possible way and at that, at that age, you don't think about the consequences spiritually as well as what karmically. Mm. After getting a little bit more serious about or learning about contentment and happiness and realizing that that lifestyle did not provide contentment or happiness, it just provided short-term uh, wins, short-term satisfaction that were fleeting. And obviously paranoia, danger, um, chaos, and a lot of things that were not sustainable to a lifestyle that was chill and abundant and abundant in a real abundance not just money drugs and women mm. so after really hitting a few serious rock bottoms and always seeming to climb my way back up i was tired of it and i really wanted to start my life over i was doing way too much drugs to actually just deal with the um the stress of being at that level in the game and it was like, wow, my friends were really serious people doing really serious things. And I wasn't ready to be at that, in that stage of the game. It was too much for me. This is the, the, the organized crime yeah, series. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, that kind of serious. So it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't where my heart was at. And 
I found out if you're not living from your heart and you're not actually doing what your, uh, your purpose and path is meant to be doing, it'll manifest in ways that will hurt you. And I saw that where I was manifesting in extremely narcissistic behavior, drug abuse, you know, womanizing. It was all, it was all connected to actually just not living truly from the heart, mm. living from an ego realm. So getting, a, getting out of that and getting off the drugs and see, seeing Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> like, no joke. I was like, sitting there trying to get off of drugs one day and saw eat, and watched Eat, Pray, Love. And I was like, that's what I need. I need spirituality in my life. I need some sort of like community. I need some, something bigger than this world I created where I thought I was a big deal. So I had a big shift and I actually just came to Bali. And I just booked the flight, came out here, but completely by myself, came to Ubud in search of something. And Ubud is full of people searching for things. Mm. It's a little cute town, little hippie area for you, <laughs> those of you that don't know it, where it's lots of big, long, meaningful hugs, cacao ceremonies, yoga, green juice, and dance. And this was completely new for me coming from an area of handguns and fake boobs. Wow. It was a completely different completely different place and it shifted my huge my, my complete perspective on the world and I started getting into yoga and I went from Muay Thai fighting kickboxing to yoga so it was another big shift for me mm. and that was how I was able to start uh, a path of change a little bit of a brief a little bit of a catch-up to now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I met you you were really into power yoga Power yoga was the gem. Okay. That was that was what I was able to transition because I needed to keep like get my mind to do something. So yin wasn't yin wasn't yeah. possible for me. <laughs> I, I couldn't sit. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So power yoga was still having that like strong yang, sweaty, accomplished something during the class type mentality, and I needed that because that got me in. And I was I was a, I was I was able to sit with a really strong, uh, practiced strong woman teacher Denise Payne, mm. who took me in and like gave me a lot of shit because I came here and I didn't know how to act. And so I was still in Ubud acting like old gangster Aaron, like, yeah, I'll buy the whole table wheatgrass shots. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking cheesy, you know? It was really, it was ridiculous. Like big man on campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who wants quinoa? I got this. It yeah. was ridiculous. Okay, okay. So um, she put me in check a lot and I needed that. I had never been put in check like that by a strong woman and that was what I really needed so that way I could learn that I'm not I'm not in East Vancouver anymore and I needed to actually act, fit the part of who I want to be now and you can, you can change. So power yoga was powerful for me, but I, it still was kind of, I would say, a distraction from sitting with myself and getting through that stage and I needed that stage. I needed the stage of getting to Ubud, going to every single event, being completely social, mm. still living out the old patterns of trying to be the, the dude. Yeah. And, and distract myself from really sitting with myself. And it mm. took me a good, I'd say one year. My first year journey was being Mr. Social, going to everything, all the parties. And then I finally was able to settle a little bit and get into meditation. Yeah, I remember meeting you just before. Yep. Your That's first right. Vipassana. And I remember it was really hard to make time to see you. Yeah. And we were living right next to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. You were always on a mission. Oh, yeah, I usually am. <laughs> you were always on a mission. You were like going from one thing to the other. And I would be like, hey, let's hang out. Mm -hmm. and, you were, and I remember you were, you were like, you know what? In like three weeks, we go Vipassana. And then like afterwards, we'll totally. hang out. Be before we go into that, I kind of, what I'm interested in, in, in learning more so you, about your journey is 
okay, so you're like wrapped up, you're in this kind of like hustling way of living. What was the turning point for you? Like what, at what moment were you like, <laughs> enough is enough? There's a few of those. Okay. There was a, a, a succession of moments where I was like, I don't have normal people problems. These are really, really intense things to be dealing with. Like shit from you'd see in the movies. And it was wow. just like, it was so much that I was like, I shouldn't have to be dealing with this. Like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the life I imagined. And I didn't want to have to be dealing with these things. And I, it's funny that you asked that because I was like, I was driving home last night on my scooter and I was thinking about some of the stuff that I would have to deal with. And I was like, whoa, man, like my best friend had a price on his head. And, he, and, mm. and when I came to Bali that first time, uh, just to do a training, I had to go back to Canada and try to find, I needed to get out of the game. So like that first time I came, I learned about all this new world, but I still had to go back and go back to my life back in wow. Canada. So it was the hardest six months of my life because it was as if um, I wanted to make that shift and karma or the power of the universe threw everything at me to see how bad I wanted it. It was wow. actually to help me get out. But the levels of stress that I needed to have to go through to really make sure that I was done were like, yeah, my best friend was borrowing my truck for the three months I was here in Bali. And meanwhile, people were, were gonna kill him. So then I go back and I'm driving my truck around. I was like, oh shit. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like stuff to that effect, you know? And me and him had a falling out, kind of like snubbed me or didn't pay a lot of money that I owed to the Vietnamese mafia. And I was like, oh shit. So I was in, I was in shit because of him and he was going through his shit. And we were best friends since grade two. And it was then him versus me. And so I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, the rug just got pulled out from under my feet where somebody that I've loved my whole life mm. is now we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna get each other. It's like to that, to that effect where I'm like getting a team together to go find him. And it was to that effect where I was like, this is wow. too much, this is too much for me. Like, wow. oh, I can't believe this is like, this is where it's come to. And it broke my heart. That was one of them. There was probably about four or five of those type of things all happening around the same time. So it was like, you know, in every gangster movie you see, like Goodfellas, Blow, um, Scarface, all of them. I don't know if you've seen these ones. Mm, some of them. But they all have this climactic ending where stuff starts to go south. Yeah, where yeah. Where it's yeah, like they're yeah, doing yeah. too much drugs, and they start they start like the chaos ensues, and they're gonna get killed or they go to jail or something. And it's like yeah. it's that time in the movie when you're always like, oh, like you you hate yeah, yeah, yeah. you hate watching that part. You're yeah. like, but the the, the buildup was so good, and they yeah. were doing so well, and you're cheering from them. Now it's like you know what's gonna happen. Yeah. I was at that point in my life where I knew. If I didn't get out, something was gonna happen. I could feel it around me. There was something ominous hanging around wow. me that if I didn't get out, I'm gonna either die or go to jail. <gasps> and I could feel that. Energetically, I could feel it. And I knew I needed to leave. It was as if, you know, your, my intuition just snapped through and it's like, if you don't get out this month, you're not getting out. And I needed to, I needed to make the move. And, uh, and after facing, facing and seeing that there was a new world out here and actually opening my eyes up to there's more out there than my little, my hometown, I can actually be somebody new. That was when I was able to actually like, hey, I can make a shift, I can do something. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. So it was a succession of rock bottoms or a succession of crazy problems to have that I was like, that's enough, okay. Yeah, I, can, I can't even imagine um, having a bounty on, on in your head and what that can you know do to you like on a daily basis like the stress to the body to the mind my friend wasn't the same person during that time yeah how can you be I wasn't the same person yeah we I, I didn't talk to him for six months after that I finally got the money he owed me and I didn't talk to him for six months and it broke my heart because we were best friends since grade two yeah and, uh, and it broke my heart 
finally I had to learn that if I forgive him, it doesn't, I don't have to forget what happened and we're never going to be besties again. Yeah. But like holding on to that type of resentment and hate uh, was only making me suffer more and that I can just stop blaming and understand and understand myself deeper what I did to, 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 to create that situation as well. Mm. And what I did to create that situation was get myself into that lifestyle, become friends with him, uh, or stay, keep that energy in, in my life, where mm. that's my responsibility. And so somebody fucks you over, what did you do to make that happen? That's no. really important. <laughs> so I had to learn I'm really that. happy you just said that. Yeah. yeah, because it's like, it's never just one-sided, right? You have to take responsibility for your 100%. part equally, right? Yeah. yeah. Before blaming others, seek to understand yourself deeper. Yeah. And that's been like my mantra for the month, but seeing that then also, what did I do to create the situation? Yeah. And that actually then puts a little bit more responsibility in your court. And that's not blaming yourself. I mean, it is, but there's power in that because then you can act from it rather than just like, oh, this stuff all happened to me. I'm a victim. Where's your power? Rather than, yeah, I made, I made this happen. I created this reality around me. I choose to create a new one now. The power. And we're taking responsibility. And like, that's a big shift. Yeah. And like, what did it take for you to make that shift? <laughs> uh, doing a bit of self-work. Yeah, doing, when I came, when I started over, I was committed to being a new person. I was committed to actually learning and growing and not suffering like I was. You know, I had to, I had to be a new person. I was, I was not numb anymore. I was addicted to opiate painkillers back in the game. I was wow. popping oxys. Constantly, I was constantly high and numbed out and just work mode. <laughs> Three cell phones just on it all the time. So like how I'm hard to nail down now <laughs> and how I'm busy now, I was way worse then. Yeah, Where yeah. We'd be having a conversation and I'd be talking to somebody in Toronto on my encrypted mm. phone and be like, uh-huh. And I'd be, like, I'd be looking at you and I'd be typing here and I could, mm. <laughs> I could type out a full order and nothing. I was, I was so not present mm. and so multitasking and so scattered right but so focused but so scattered it was just yeah weird weird vibes um it took it took it took a lot of self-work and it took so going from yoga then finally i was able to then get into meditation and i knew meditation was the way i was learning more about buddhism i was learning more about um neuroplasticity and that could heal my brain mm. i had a lot of concussions from ice hockey and kickboxing i thought i would always have focus issues mm. and um i wanted to heal this and i learned that i could actually go down a healing path and i did a lot of self-study on this so i went to a meditation retreat in the himalayas and i learned and they had this meditation on death and it was like super, super heavy. I'll never forget it because they guide you through your whole death. And they're like, picture. What? It's so crazy. And they're like, it's like 108 people in this Dhamma hall. And they're like, picture, you got, you just, you went, you were feeling sick. You go to the doctor. The doctor said, does some tests. You go back. They did a biopsy. You have cancer. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, fuck, I have cancer. And you're like, you have to go through the whole thing. And then you're, and then everybody in the room's having the same experience. And then they're like, now, what would you do? Now you have to go tell your parents. Now you gotta go tell your friends. Now all those issues that you had with your friends mm. don't matter anymore. And I was thinking of my bro that, that, that I beefed it with, that we still hadn't, yeah. we still hadn't, he was still trying to get me to forgive him for everything and I was still being stubborn. I'm an Aries, so I was like, yeah, you screw me over once, we're done. Mm. And I had that, I was holding that the whole time. And then during that, I was like, oh shit, man, I'm gonna die, I fuck. Ricardo, I'm sorry too. <laughs> and I like actually mm. sitting there and I could feel it. I could feel the whole thing. Okay, 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 okay. And then, the full meditation, they like, okay, like we died, and now go to your go to your room, your little your little cell that you sleep in, and I cried in the bed, 
I think everybody in the whole center was like, holy shit. Like, it was super heavy. And we all go back in. And, and now it's a meditation where he's like, now, all the suffering that you've experienced in your life, you allowed to happen, it's your fault. And it was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It was such a harsh thing to hear. I've never experienced that type of responsibility or concept before. And it, it blew my mind because my ego instantly tried to make like, no, but what about this? Mm. No, but what about the way I was raised? What about the area yeah, I was raised in? Yeah, exactly. What about, what about, what about, what about, victim, what about? Victim, 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 victim. And his, what he said just like pierced through everything. Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously cases that are not our fault that we go through. There's lots of circumstances. I'm not discounting people's suffering. But in the cases that I invited in these situations that I see how I created the situations that I could take responsibility for, well, it was, it was so freeing. And it was a point of not just like, oh shit, I wasn't a victim anymore. I created it. It's my fault. But from that, I was able to then see a place of power. It was mm. so freeing for me. I was like, whoa. It's like I opened my eyes to it. That like, actually, hey, I have way more power than I think and I can create the reality around me and I don't have to keep on suffering like this. And it was like a big, powerful step for that. Something that you said, I wanted to touch on because of our conversation before the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And you were saying like you, you had this moment where you realize, okay, wow, um, I'm not a victim. It's empowering. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am totally in control of my reality. And before this podcast, we meant, you know, we had this dialogue about, okay, if someone is in a, you know, kind of dire situation with money and responsibilities, mm. it might not be so easy to, you know, say these things and actually follow through with these things. Yeah. And you said some really interesting things about that. So I was wondering if you could kind of totally. repeat it, basically. Um, okay, we were, we were talking about self-work and if people don't have the money to... To, what were we saying? Like level up and the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opportunities this, you know, in life. You were saying that it's really important to focus on expanding. You know, walking right. in the direction of your soul and expanding. And I said, yeah, that's great, and it, you know, I, I totally yeah, yeah, yeah. hear you. But what if someone is in a more um, a dire situation right. with responsibilities and poverty, etc.? I had I had initially said, and there's this dope Matt Con book. I'm listening to a Matt Con audio book okay, right now, and it's okay. like our cosmic job is the expansion of our soul. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fire! I really like that one. <laughs> so I had said that just to make sure that's a Matt Con quote. Matt Con quote. It's not me. Um, and you had said, well, what if people don't have the resources or something to that yeah, effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and this is my subjective opinion. I think everybody has their own personal power to do anything in life. Mm. So there's, there's excuses to be made. And then there's also the, the age that we live in is the most expansive time where we have the most resources available at our fingertips, just in our phones or even or like than ever. Like mm. we, can, we can take a course on YouTube for free. We can learn how to meditate on YouTube for free. We can learn affiliate marketing or any type of online anything pretty much for free. Like it's, mm. it's never been so open for us to level up and grow and expand. It's never been so available for us as the human race to actually just like expand. But obviously there's cases where people are in like Somalia and do not have internet and, 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 and are becoming child soldiers. And that's terrible. And I totally see that there's, there's, there's sides of this. I just mean... There's still ways people can, people are resourceful and there's ways for people to mm. get their power back. So there's, there's an ideology of, hey, I grew up in a poor area and this is all I can do. And this is just where I'm at. Or there's cases like Oprah, who Oprah was dirt poor, uh, rape victim, uh, com complete, could have just went the completely other way. And mm. now she's one of the richest women in the world. Mm. She created all that by herself. There's power in your story and you can use it for, for gold rather than carrying around lead your whole life. Mm. There's, there's, there's gold there if you choose to be an alchemist. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And you even mentioned that you didn't go to university, right? Hell no. I couldn't do school, man. I, I, I got kicked out of grade 12 in high school. Wow. And I tried to go to school and I never could finish something. My heart wasn't it. I've always been one of those kind of hyperactive people where yeah. like, if I like something, I'll do it really well. But if I don't, I'm just, just not into it. scattered. Yeah, I, I won't be able to actually do it if my heart's not in it. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. Yeah, me but too. Once your heart's in something and you find something that you really want, that, you're, that it's like, hey, I found purpose here, you can knock it out the park. And I think there's just way too many people doing things that they think they should do, yeah. that their heart and purpose is not aligned to it. And of course, they're miserable. I'd be miserable too if I was a real estate agent. I'd be a great real estate agent. Uh, it's not, I don't really give a fuck about that. It's not really what I want to be doing. I want to be doing things I love. Yeah. I want to be connecting people and I want to be doing things I'm passionate about. And I think it's really important to find your passion and move into that, regardless of what kind of money it makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an it's a interesting age that we live in. Purpose and passion are so important and they're so undervalued. It's more about get the bends, get the house, you know, this, that, this, that, where we're the consumerism, the consumerist, like social economic pressure where I needed to be somebody in Canada and how miserable that actually made me. Whereas I could be driving my scooter out here and helping the community and live a way happier life, Mm -hmm. way happier life. Everybody has a scooter and flip flops. Nobody needs a Mercedes out here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even playing field. You've been playing field. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. I thought, I think it's really important to bring that to light, you know, and remind, remind us all actually when we fall into like this victim mentality. No, like we do have the power to create our reality. And like, you know, there are these stories, like, you know, you didn't get your diplomas, for example. And mm-hmm. like the story that I come from, my father went to like Harvard and did that whole like traditional trajectory. Um, is that like you're not like, if you don't get a degree, like the pressure he's putting on my siblings right now, mm-hmm. if you don't get a degree, you're gonna like, like your life's gonna suck. Totally. It's not true. Not at all. And it's a total thing. I mean, Gary Vee says this a lot. I love Gary, Gary Vee's awesome. I really love that And guy. he's about like how finishing college, you could be, you'd be a sucker, like some people. But I, I don't, I b- completely believe and support education. Yeah. I'm a student of life right now, yeah. getting out of, I'm constantly learning something. If I'm not learning, I'm not growing, and then I'm not as happy as I could be. Mm. Learning is, and growing and expansion is the purpose we're all here for, yeah. our cosmic job. Expand your soul, expand your mind, help other people. These are things that give you purpose in life. And so I'm like firm supporter in education and self-study. But going to school and learning about Pythagoras theorem, what <laughs> <laughs> the fuck am I going to do with this? You know, it's, like, it's, just, it's just to put you in a box so then you can pay your taxes and buy a bigger TV and shut up. Yeah. And it's like we'll learn something that you're actually going to use and, 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 and expand from and then use that to help expand other people. Mm. That's the juice, right? But if you're just learning about something like political science no offense to my poli science friends that are that are up there like what are you gonna do with that <laughs> like it just didn't make sense to me right so instead i sold kilos because because wow. i get what i wanted instead yeah and i know neither path was right it was just me not finding one useful and then yeah. this was a short-term win yeah and then i saw that that short-term win wasn't useful i needed actually a long-term sustainable uh long-term win that was going to provide contentment happiness and help the world yeah that's like that's worth it right yeah yeah and going back to like the story <coughs> that you were talking about so you found this meditation and that kind of started you on this path and mm-hmm. interestingly enough you also uh, were starting businesses or did that come later can you continue that yo actually journey? um 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first came to Bali, my first business was a bed and breakfast. What I knew was like hot. Mike was there. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was part of that. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. So that was like my first thing to do out here that I knew I'd like I'd have a some sort of income when I yeah, came out here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was that was the first thing, but it wasn't really my passion. And I went to that meditation retreat in the Himalayas, Tushita, and I had the idea for Conscious Arts Tattoo Shop, the shop mm. that you helped me paint when, yeah, when I was looking. Yeah, I remember. Actually, it's still on the website, the photo of us and all my friends that helped, yes. helped paint it. It's cool. Um, and so that's where I had the download, where I was like, obviously, I'm passionate about tattoos. I don't tattoo, but I am an f- avid collector. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I made friends with the local tattoo boys. Yeah. So like, okay, I, I had a resource there. I had guys who were good at what they did. Yeah. And then I also had my skill set that could, could turn this into uh, a business, my entrepreneurial um, passion that came from, from other ways of schooling. Mm-hmm. And I was able to then, like, I, I saw that I had couple things and that's what entrepreneurs do is they find ways they find ways you don't need to go to business school to find ways you just need to be a resourceful individual that sees yeah uh, angles so I saw I had the talent and 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 people that I trusted and then I had the the connectability the the know-how and it came through that if I was when I was in that meditation retreat I was able to see deeper what was really in my heart and that was that I wanted to be doing something that was that was worth it I wanted to be doing something that was um, helping Bali, helping this planet. Because if I wasn't making a difference or an impact, that yeah. something bigger than me, I was wasting my time and it wasn't it wasn't what my path and purpose is. And then the download came through. It was like one of the days after the death meditation. And it was like, if you open up a shop in Bali that carries vegan, non-toxic ink, you have a great product, you have a great artist, and then you give back to the island, like you'll be fulfilled this will be a, pur- a purpose-driven enterprise that'll make you happy and i bet you then it'll become successful and that was like download i went back to my room wrote it down and when i came back to bali is it you know when you have a good idea you just feel it like mm-hmm. it's right here you feel it it's like that is gonna work you're yeah. passionate behind it it's something that you feel and when you get these ideas you don't need to tell many people about them you just keep that and do it yeah and exactly. that it was that thing in three months i opened up the shop and we became instantly three months after that the busiest shop in ubud wow. it was so fast because it was tattoo shop or shop ever busiest tattoo shop in ubud okay. and i'm the only foreigner who owns one in ubud wow and so that was something that became so quick it was just such a pure idea yeah and it, it just it just worked and then six six to eight three months after that we were too busy that i needed to start thinking about another shop and then six months after that i got my friends and 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 people together to invest and build karma house and so that was like cool i had an idea from that let's continue this business model and grow it charity work tattoos tattoo culture and personal development the lifestyle and turn this into a place so karma house is now a community center uh, a space for personal development, dance, a tattoo space for international tattoo artists. We're doing ceremonial ritual style tattoos, a little bit deeper intention in the tattoo process. Mm, so we're doing something a little different. And then a lounge for people to hang out. And that's been so satisfying to actually see people connect and create a culture around that. Mm. It wasn't easy. And some people think it's just gonna be an easy thing. That wasn't easy. Mm. Building that was one of the hardest things I've done. Like it was wow. super, super, super difficult and super stressful because uh, I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot in that time where um, you think things are just going to magically work out and they, and Conscious Arts was relatively easy, but I didn't have to build a big yeah, new building. Yeah, it was there. It was yeah. already there. This place, it mopped the floor with me and it was, wow. it, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful lesson uh, that I can say now. <laughs>
during, I was losing patches of hair in my wow. beard. Yo, I was so stressed out. Um, there's a really awesome book my buddy Dave got me to read, uh, Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Okay. You read it? No. Awesome. It's a quick read. It's, it's a small book. You can bang through it in three days, two, okay. three days. Every page is really punchy and it's just like a straight to the point. Next page, straight to the point. It's about the habits of being an amateur and then turning into a professional and letting go of the amateur habits and actually being a pro in what you do in your chosen field. Yeah. And I started Conscious Karma House as a total amateur. And that build process and the last six months of actually making sure this is gonna be a sustainable business turned me into more a pro. And I had to do that. And that's not an easy time. It's not a transition time's never easy. It doesn't no. feel good, but it's, there's juice in that. Just like going to the gym, that strain on your muscles isn't, isn't easy, but then later you grow, you're bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what that process did to me. And that all came from Vipassana? Vipassana was the technique. And I've, I, did, I did a Vipassana before every business I've started. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing because wow. to, to expand on the Vipassana retreat, uh, yeah. the Goenka style Vipassana retreat is a 10 day, it's technically 11 days. You think it's 10 days and you're like, I got one more day. And you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, I know. You're and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about talking. Let yeah. me go up yeah, earlier. But it's an important day to integrate that yeah, day. It is, it is. Um, it's a time where the rest of the world quiets down. And I find it difficult to go into the Vipassana technique outside of the world with all this business stuff going on because of how much comes through from our phones, from social media, through networking, through talking to people. Yeah. That saturates my uh, the quality of my thoughts. Yeah. Getting to a retreat, all that's quiet. Yeah. You're just in your own head. You're not speaking. You're, you're only eating uh, breakfast and, and lunch. You're, you're fasting after 12, so you're intermittent fasting the whole day. The clarity of your mind is yeah, like so sharpened. Um, and that's when I've had amazing ideas and not like egoic outer shell ideas. They're straight to source. They're ideas so that come through that are just downloads. Like this is going to work and you, all the bullshit around it is, is, is sifted. So I've like journaled, you're not supposed to write in there, but obviously I'm a bit of a rule breaker <laughs> and you come out and I've written down just great ideas and I come out with clarity, not just around business. It's not just a business hack. I've yeah. actually seen so many situations in my life from an objective point of yeah. view that have then caused me to uh, repair a relationship with my father. It caused me to make peace with so many people, make peace with myself, see situations that I had been through from a completely different space and realize that I wasn't always the good guy in my story. I see it from other people's point of views. Yeah. You're able to see threads of consciousness and you're like, wait a minute, this wasn't, this, I see the story from, from, from a different perspective. Mm. And uh, my buddy Dave always likes to say, it's like, that's where you get to say hello to the bad guy. And mm. so that's you sometimes. Yeah. And then you forgive yourself and move on. And so the, these retreats are gold. I'll be doing a Vipassana retreat every six months, hopefully for the rest of my life. Wow. Because it's a tuning fork. It really is. It yeah. really is. It's just like drop in, let go of some bullshit, see what's really happening, then go back into the world. And so it's a, it's a really juicy time to go do that. Yeah, I really, Vipassana changed <coughs> my life. Cool. Completely. Yeah. Like I, I was. A, I, I mean, I did like a 180 in terms of what kind of person I was. Like Amazing. I also was like a, um, a <coughs> company, and I, I was really into that like CEO kind of role of controlling everything mm -hmm. and like micromanaging everything and like egoic in the sense of like wanting to like be seen. You know, not that I did it. I didn't ever do anything because I wanted to be seen doing it, but I definitely wanted to have like that recognition, right? Mm -hmm, I wanted, mm -hmm. And that like validation. Yeah, you know, yeah, validation. So the ego is very present, and I remember. I got sick and that was like a really big mm -hmm. like lightning bolt, like something in my life needs to change. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just 
booked this Vipassana, which someone said to me was 10 days of silence. Don't look at anyone's eyes. Don't talk. And I thought it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Really? Okay. And I couldn't even imagine being silent for a day, you know, or a few hours. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm similar to you in the yeah. sense that like I have a lot of energy yeah, yeah. to like do and move things. And yeah. so like that idea, I was like, okay, maybe that's what I need. The opposite yeah. of me. Right. So I remember I went to my first Vipassana. It was in Bihar, which is not like a... You did it in India. I did it in India. It's ridiculous. In Bihar. I... It, and they're super well, strict. Well done. They're super strict. Yeah. And I re- they gave us like the space for walking was limited and it was tiny. And I remember every lunchtime I would walk around like a, like a rat in a hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. Just going round, round, round circles and round, round, and then look up and be like two minutes have passed. And then yeah. I still had an hour and a half to go and I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's It's crazy it's what goes hard. on in your head. Um, it's kind of like some people could see this almost as torture. No, it is to yeah, some extent yeah, because, yeah. like, at least for me, I remember the first one. It w- it did feel like torture because I I had was going through a breakup at the time, yeah. and the same freaking thought was like repeating, yeah. Yeah. and it wouldn't go away. I'm like, dude, I've thought about this like a million times. How is this thought still reoccurring? Mm-hmm. I felt actually crazy, and there were moments where I was like, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Oh shit, is this what's really happening? Mm-hmm. And um, the craziest side of, of my experience, I remember, so like 10 days in silence, and I have no idea that what I'm thinking is as harmful as what it, what it is, totally. right? And I, I ended up finding out that I'm a huge, huge bully. Huge bully. I thought everyone hated me. I thought my roommates mm. had a problem with me. It took me three days to admit to the teacher that I couldn't eat dairy or any of the other things, so I was eating things that made me feel sick because I didn't mm. want to be seen as privileged. I didn't want people to treat me differently. I didn't mm. want it to be judged. And then I remember on day 10, when, or day 11, when you're allowed to then speak, mm-hmm. like 10. my whole, my, everything that I knew about life shattered into a million pieces. Mm. Because I understood in that moment that the women, actually they were all like 50 plus, and the reason they were staring at me was two reasons. One, because in India, people like to stare. Mm-hmm. And it's totally cool. Oh my God, it's not. And it's not yes. disrespectful at all. <laughs> yeah. And number two, because they're all moms or grandmothers. So they thought I wasn't eating enough. And mm. they were concerned. So they were trying to like feed me food on the 11th day. And actually, all the things that I thought were negative were like, they were illusions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it cracked my world. And I understood, wow, I think I've been thinking, I've been treating myself terribly in my mind. And actually, these people are so loving and kind and sweet. had no problems with me. And here I am suffering yeah. for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I must be crazy. <laughs> and that, that, my life changed forever. Yeah. Well, you weren't crazy. And the way we see the world shapes, shapes like what we actually think it is. Like yeah. our, uh, yeah, the way we see things. Uh, it, it, it's called insight meditation. Like Vipassana, that's what the translation could be, is ah, insight meditation. Okay. So you just get these insights around things. And I went through very similar things. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned earlier, so you went through a breakup and you went to that. Yeah. What was your mentality after that? Like, did it help with the situation? Oh, yeah. It's, it's powerful. Super. I, I, yeah, I went through, I went through a, a breakup and went to a Vipassana as well. I've done four now. And, um, and so I'd still say I'm, I'm a beginner. Yeah. And that, that was big things to be going through something and going into a retreat space where it could be very scary and overwhelming but if you really want to see things for what they are go go to a vipassana because you're going to be forced to see things for what they are and it could be seen as a bit violent it could be seen as a bit of an aggressive thing to just go and now go do this test of will you know it's kind of harsh Mm. um but i would say it's the quickest way through uh, the only way out is through. Yeah. So going and actually seeing and meeting your demons and meeting yourself and go, getting through that is not just a test of will, not just you'll feel amazing after, not just the clarity, but you're like you're really meeting yourself. You're showing up for yourself. So it's like I would say for anybody who hasn't done it, 
Um, don't do it in India. Why? <laughs> I'm Indian. I can say that. It's just like it's. I would say if you're in the Western world and you want to do a vipassana, go somewhere you're going to be comfortable for the first one yeah. because. Um, you want to learn the technique, and that's a bit of a challenge itself. But then to be in living conditions that are also challenging yeah, might, be, de- true. might be detrimental yeah. to you focusing on the retreat because you might just then be like, oh man, this bed sucks, or this sucks, or yeah. this sucks. And it could add to it. Yeah. Whereas just being somewhere comfortable, like I did it in New Zealand, it was amazing. The New Zealand retreat was perfect. They had epic fruit. <laughs> it was a great place. I did yeah. it in Sri Lanka, and it was like a prison. It's like they built the place 70%, and they were like, good enough. And let it yeah, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, we had no air conditioning. Yeah, and we didn't it was have like no, 50 degrees each day. Yeah. And and in India they're very strict about clothes, totally. especially as women. Yeah. So I was literally sweating. I was taking five showers a day. Yeah, I yeah. was sweating so much. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the conditions are are, are simple to say they to, are simple. to be to be uh, nice about it. Um, but it's there's a lot of power in going and meeting yourself and doing that and, and actually focusing on the retreat and, and seeing things for what they really are. Mm-mm. So it was it was amazing to to hear your to hear that you did it in India. It was the first one and actually you know it's great because that was the first one was in Bihar, which is actually like probably one of the poorest states in India as well. <laughs> I had no idea, but for me, I am that kind of rough, rugged, like I like that, mm. but it's true. Like I, I can imagine for people who like, this is very new and far removed for them. They'd leave. Yeah, they, they yeah. would probably leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bathroom, it was horrible. Yeah. But after that, I did it twice more, once in Barcelona, once there's an amazing center. If you ever come to Europe in Madrid, like mm. nearby, it was like a five star like hotel almost because there was awesome. like mountains. There was a forest you could walk in. Mm. The food was gluten free, vegan, like every kind of free of anything mm. possible. And that made every vipassana experience after Bihar yeah. a lot easier because yeah. I had comfy beds, and good food, I had a forest. Yeah. But I do see the value in the one I did in India, so I do. I don't want to discount that, yeah. but maybe. Maybe, like you said, start with what like a comfort start level that one. you can yeah. handle, and then it's just my opinion. But I think yeah. you did it the right way. It's perfect how you did it. Yeah. Um, I would I would super recommend it for anybody going. And um, a huge tip that I had was to be able to see the quality of my thoughts. Yeah. So I went into my third one, and I went in in a very traumatized state. And I had just gone through a very big breakup. I had a, a break in at my house mm. in which it turned very violent. And it, and it would turn into a sword fight, like a knife fight between me and, and an armed robber. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. So um, ensued in the, in the fight, we were both stabbing each other. I got, I got my um, knuckle tendon severed. Uh, I punched a sword, bad practice. Wow. And, uh, and um, during that, I had to then get my tendon sewed back together and my hand was in a cast. And in nine days, 10 days, I already booked this Vipassana to go with my friends. And so it was an intense time. Go through a breakup, I lost my house, and uh, uh, my hand is not functional, and I'm feeling my tendons try to fuse back together. I was in a lot of pain. And then you gotta go sit with yourself for 10 days. And I was like, shit, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. I don't actually know if this is gonna be a time where I can go and sit in a very, you know, almost militant practice Mm. and go and deal with this. And I asked my buddy Dave, I'm like, bro, I don't know. I don't know about this one, man. And he's like, do it, you'll have a very powerful experience and you'll be able to get through all this trauma and everything that you're needing to go through, you're gonna get through it rather than holding it and, mm. and letting it manifest. Yeah. And I was I was going in in a traumatized state. I was constantly thinking about uh, the, the battle that I had with this robber. I was thinking about stabbing him, getting stabbed. I was thinking about the breakup, blood everywhere. Like I was in a really wrecked state. And I, I read this book by Joseph Goldstein called Insight Meditation while I was in there. I needed this book. 
And it got me through a really difficult time because I, I noticed, um, Dave told me, track your thoughts. So I did. How much did I think about my ex? Yeah. The first day, 21 times. Every single time, I'd be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Tick off the box. Yeah. How many times did I actually think about it? And I'd let it go. So as soon as I named it, I was able to move through it. Yeah. How many times did I think about the robbery? Tick, 30 times the first day. Cool, let it go. How many times did I think about drugs and sex the first day? Maybe 15 or something. Yeah. Tick, let it go. And then the second day, it was like, how many times did I think about my ex? 18 times rather than 21. Okay, yeah, you're winning a little bit. Okay. The, how many times did I think about the robbery? 20 times. It started to then move, move, move. As soon as yeah. I let, I knew what I, I observed, what I was thinking and moved through it rather than dwelling and ruminating on it. I was able to get the power of like getting my mind back together. And these are just things that I'm thinking of. I can move, I can move away from them rather than sitting there. If I, if I went deep into the, into the, into one of those, um, ruminations, my whole body would test. My cortisol levels would be jumped. I would be in the fight again. Mm. And I realized like, I, I'm not, I'm not winning here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not actually meditating. But as soon as I like saw it and moved through it, I was back to like into a state by the end of the retreat I saw everything for what it was and I went through a place of intense happiness after mm. and I, it was not after going through a place of like intense sadness but yeah. being there sitting with it seeing for what it was and seeing that I'm still okay yeah and I'm gonna be okay no matter what I came out and I was shining and glowing and I was able to see this situation as a place of power and it was one of the most powerful things that ever happened to me and I'm so grateful for it wow and from that, I became a stronger person. And it was amazing to go in in with trauma. And I wouldn't recommend this for everyone. Um, but, I, but, I, but going in and facing what I had to go, go mm, through mm. and coming out, I, I, it changed me forever. Mm. And I became a better person for it. The technique works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I haven't seen you in a few years. So like two years or something. And I, I, I definitely feel you more grounded you know, a more grounded, like, presence. <laughs> so, obviously, a lot of things happened in that time. Mm. And, yeah, I, I, I agree. I really, Vipassana, each time I've gone, has changed my life. And, mm. I, actually, um, in the most recent one, my mentor told me to bring a notebook. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, like, write in it, like, scribe in it, but he said, like, when you have ideas, write it down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had this, an idea for a platform that I will build in the future, and we're in the process of it. And this podcast is kind of like the, the pre- the, the prequel but that came out of Vipassana. Definitely. Get downloads. They it, come through. It just, and it's like pure. It's like, it's like you're not thinking about it. It's like, boom. Mm -hmm. and oh, okay. Yeah. And so I guess my question to you is like, after, you know, finding this practice, how has it affected, you know, not only your life, but like your relationships, your anxiety, if you ever suffer from depression, like all mm. those different aspects, how has it affected uh, everything, because I uh, have suffered from depression and prone to depression after having so many concussions, but it's also been able for me to see and sit with pain and see and sit with uncomfortable situations yeah. and meditate on them and just sit with it and not be drawn into a lot of the feelings and emotions that would then oh. cause me further pain, but just to see and fully feel it and just see it as a sensation yeah. and that I'm not attached to it and that yeah. it's going to come and go. And that's helped me in every area of my life. So then just to be able to have a grounded practice and that's just where I develop myself and I get to see everything for what it is and then I'm able to then move on and, and act in life has been intensely freeing and I've been able to be less reactive. Uh, my temper has been able to be a lot less uh, snap temper. Uh, I've been able to be a lot more just cool, calm and collected and that's not usually the type of guy that I, that I was. 
And it's, just, it's, it's been really powerful. It's been really powerful to then have something that I do for myself. Yeah. And that's, that's been also just a point of self-love. That if I, if I want to be doing something for me, for me to grow, make sure I have my meditation practice set. It's the pillar, the building block of everything else in my day. It's the first thing I do when I, when I, when I wake up. Make sure I get my meditation sit in. It's powerful. How long do you meditate? I'm doing about 30 minutes in the morning. Okay. Try to do 30 at night, but I'll probably fall asleep within uh, 15, 20. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's always Vipassana or do you, Anapana? Anapana is how I'm, when I'm very busy, Anapana is what I can easily, I can commit to Anapana. If I, then if I'm sharpened, I can move to Vipassana. Um, lately, just the scale of all the different things I'm trying to do, I notice it's like I'm trying to meditate and then I'll end up planning. And that's where I'm at right now in my practice is trying to get through this stage. And it's just, it's just, uh, is there a planning in your meditation? Totally. It's like, I, 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 I get, I get ideas and then I want to execute them, Yeah, you know, know or that. like, Oh, I forget. I have to, I have to do this. I have to do this. And it takes a little while to sift through that to get to a meditation stage. So I'm still new on the path and I've already seen huge, um, uh, huge. What's the word gains from it. I've seen, I've really seen it actually change my life, but I can't mm. wait to go deeper and get more skilled and to see how it is. Because um, one of my close friends, Dave, who I've mentioned many times in this podcast, uh, he's a living proof of the practice in action. He's like hugely successful and he said meditation's given him everything in his life. And so we jammed when we first met because I had done my first meditation retreat. He's done 30. Wow. Yeah, and he's, he's a teacher. He's a meditation teacher. And so we, we became friends based on uh, him coming up to Ubud from Uluwatu and teaching me meditation in my room. Wow. And we just became buddies through that. And I had no idea really what he was about until a year later when we went to go to a retreat in New Zealand and um, I was like, shit, I'm going to need more money for Karma House. The, 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 the build cost me way more than I expected. Wow. I'm like, I'm not even asking him, but I'm like, dude, I'm going to need like 70 grand or something. And he's like, okay, cool. I got you. And I was wow. like, wait, what? And we, we became business partners. And then I, then after a year of us being friends, I really learned this, the scale and the, uh, extent that that he actually is in business and he's like wow. a multi-millionaire he's done amazing in business um and it's because of his meditation practice really he's able to then create and manifest through meditation so we've been working on manifestation meditations now and we sit and we just plan our lives together and it's like whoa we're gonna create all this wow. and it's so powerful that's your time where you can do that you can tap in and, and create some things and so i've seen that my life's expanded through the practice and then i can see him and his life is incredible i'm like okay there's power in this. This works. This is a path I can continue and keep as my lifelong practice. Proof is in the pudding. And you think that he got to where he's at because of the meditation exclusively, or? I think it's also because he's he's just a badass dude. Okay. Like he's he's he has. We both have martial arts backgrounds, and that gives okay. you a bit more of a willpower to like yeah. get through hard things. Yeah. So I believe practice in anything is really important and he's a person that I see has he's very capable through a strong disciplined uh, just a stance on life so he's almost militant he's a samurai and I'm a bit of, I'm a bit more of a cowboy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the quality is that dedicating yourself to a practice and yeah. in embodying that discipline and that like you know this is my foundation every day does add like a different texture to life mm -hmm. and your attitude to life right mm -hmm. So I guess uh, as we move like closer to the end of this uh, podcast, I want to ask you like what what are the fundamentals of, of the vipassana practice? The fundamentals, I would say it's for me it'd be first finding stillness, so finding a, a seated posture that you'll have some stillness in, uh, and then it's observation, uh, observing the breath and sharpening your mind, and so that's what focus is so important 
and uh, and concentration is so important. So concentrating, being able to harness your awareness and actually being able to just, just focus on your in-breath and out-breath and that is power in itself. You could just do anapana and you would get somewhere in meditation. And anapana is breathing in and out on, on, and feeling underneath your nose? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's the, the triangle area underneath your nose focusing on this space, the, 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 the inlets of your nostrils, focusing on there is, is a place to concentrate your mind. And there's power in just that. You could just do anapana and, and you would get places in meditation. Okay. When you get to that space and you're able to focus your breath for at least a minute, just on that space and you can move on into Vipassana meditation which is body scanning and scanning through all the bodily sensations in your body um, starting with really small spaces and moving around uh, from the top of your body to the to your feet and your feet back up and then eventually you can move into gross sensations which is like an entire arm and then eventually you get into free flow where you just feel energy moving around mm, your body and that, that's yeah. a fun place to be in where you just feel the energy and you don't you don't you're not attached to it you just observe mm. there's no judgment you're just equanimously observing how energy is arising and passing away sensations are arising and passing in your body and that's that's a that's a beautiful space to get into I get to that place when I'm in usually a retreat yeah. and I'm not as focused uh, when I'm in busy 2019, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to be part of three businesses and, and running around all day. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still, um, I'm still in practice. I'm still a student of life and a student of this practice and I'm seeing how far it can take me and I'm okay. trying to deepen it still. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. I'm, I'm really. I'm feeling a lot of gratitude for this podcast and for you, your expression too. of also this this meditation that is also being um, integral to my life journey. Mm. And I see how it's you know made you grow, and I also feel in myself how much I've grown as a result of both sitting and also serving it. Mm. So um, yeah, thank you for thank you so much for sharing. Uh, one of what I do want to ask you before we kind of sign off is, and you kind of alluded to some of this before, but what is um, do you have any books or people you recommend that people should follow, you know, mm. that kind of support this practice or just you in general in your life's journey? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so many good ones. Um, okay. Just on the Vipassana technique, I'd say Insight Meditation by Joseph Goldstein is a great okay. one because it's like a, a Western man that became really deep into practice and chronalizing. He's, he became a monk. Uh, it's the chronicles of his journey in meditation and different things that came up and, yeah. and left through him and different things like in his personal account, like when fear would come up, jealousy would come up, this would come up, and then how he would get through it and how the practice helped. Wow. So it's like actually relatable rather than like ancient Buddhist texts or ancient monks talking about the technique where <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the hood. I don't understand this. And that would be like my mindset around it before. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like, I also have fear, jealousy, and this come up, and then I'm able to then relate and and move through it. So okay. that was that was the most powerful book I've read on Vipassana. On one that really helped me change my life was Buddha's Brain. I forget the the author, but the 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 book is a yellow book with a with a drawing of the Buddha, and he's in orange. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you can see it in my head, but I forgot the author. And that Buddha's Brain was really powerful for me to know that I'm able to change my thought patterns, and I'm able to actually grow my brain as a muscle, and that I'm not always going to be um, as damaged as I thought I was. Yeah. That there's actual possibility for growth, and I can become a more intelligent human being. I'm not just going to be some dummy from East Vancouver. I can actually grow and be someone who mm -hmm. has more depth. And that, that was point of power for me 
That was really beautiful. Super Brain, Deepak Chopra, and I think it's Joe Dispenza. Um, and that's a really great one, Super Brain. It's about neuroscience, neuroplasticity, and that was a huge one also for me to be able to heal my brain through post-concussion syndrome yeah. and getting into meditation and then also learning, hey, I can, you can be smarter in life. You can actually, you can actually do this. That, these were powerful books for me. You felt like you're, you've healed from that? Healing. Healing. Healing, for sure. I'll always be on a healing journey, but I've definitely seen that I've been able to use my mind at a, at a higher level than it was, say, 2016. Okay. So, yeah. Those, those three were awesome. Yeah, I got, oh, there's so many. There's so many good books out there. Yeah, and you've mentioned a few during... Stephen Pressfield, Turning Pro. It's a great one. Okay. Dave got me to read The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. And that's kind of more of a trippy one on what actually this reality is and what happens Ooh. when we die and like what what it's like quantum physics and spirituality mixed and that's a, just a trippy book. So I, would, I would jump on that one. Okay, well thank cool. you so much for spending time with me today. My pleasure. And for sharing the story, which I think is very powerful and I think will be really beneficial for a lot of people. I hope so. And I hope it's motivating motivating for them to try this practice as it's being. I hope people try it. It changed my life, and I have it has the power to change others. Definitely. Cool. So if anyone wanted to find you, Yo. how would they find you? Uh, first and foremost, I would say Instagram. I'm <laughs> <laughs> this day and age, IG is big. Uh, Inc underscore pray underscore love on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and there on my bio, you'll, you'll be able to follow uh, the three businesses that I'm a part of there. I would say that's the best way. Okay. Follow the Yogi Lab. You'll see that on my bio, and that's where we'll be leveling up as a lifestyle, and all the practices that we're experimenting with are gonna be open to people that wanna join and level up with us. So we're committed to growth, and we're committed to actually living the best life that we can, and using ancient techniques in the modern world that we're in today, Vipassana being one of them. It's the mm. first module that we're actually gonna be giving out instructions and and our uh, blog posts on going through the vipassana technique nice. so if people want to drop in deeper to vipassana the yogilab.com our website's open now and you can drop in and learn more about vipassana there okay cool cool thank you aaron thank you